You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Two of the sport's most respected fighters step back into the octagon this weekend to compete for the welterweight title. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering new players a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about basketball and hockey, where DraftKings has even more money for grabs up this weekend. DraftKings is safe and secure and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app now. Use the promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the In the Dome podcast. All right, well, that was a must win, and they pulled it off. Now, I got to say, okay, was it a full 60? No, but it's probably the closest to a full 60 we've seen all season. And listen, if they're going to, if the process is going to look like that, I'll trust the process, right? <laughs> if they lose games playing like that, maybe I won't so much trust the process entirely if they're losing games, but um, when they play like that for a full 60, you're going to win most of those games. Well, when you don't dip on like at least one period in, a, in an entire game, you're probably going to win more often than not. Instead of dominating and then totally like, yeah, peace out, guys. We're going to go hang out and do nothing for 30 minutes and then dominate again. By the Oilers, 23 yeah. to 3 in the first period. So, I mean, this is definitely more sustainable way to win. Why don't we start things off with the uh, deserve to win a meter? Because this is always an interesting, an interesting stat to look at, right? I mean, I don't know what exactly they factor in. Maybe you can explain that. Uh, yeah, so it's from moneypuck.com, and it's mostly based off of their expected goal model. So you, if you follow us on Instagram, you've probably seen this. You, I post it after each game. You can just go on moneypuck.com and, and find it. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of different factors, but mostly I would say it revolves around moneypuck's expected goal model. So essentially, it mostly revolves around who's creating the most dangerous scoring chances. And I mean, hot damn, did the Flames ever create a lot more dangerous scoring chances than the Jets last night? 
Yeah. So like Mikey said, if you're following us on Instagram, keep an eye out in the stories. They're usually up there. And then I usually fleet them on, on Twitter too. So if you're following us on Twitter, check the fleets. And if you're not following us on Instagram or Twitter, then what, what are you even doing? Seriously. But this is cool too, because in the deserve to win a meter, they also give you a heat map of where all the, the scoring chances were generated. And I got to tell you, there's a lot more um, red circles in the high slot area and in the direct slot area than there are blue circles. Flames were attacking the slot last night, and that's going to win you games. And I think I think what was more encouraging, <laughs> as opposed to their offensive outburst, I would say, not even an outburst, um, but the fact that they limited the Jets to a single high-danger chance on the evening. That's Ooh. crazy. Just that one. crazy. Well, who was that? I think Mark it was the, I, I'm pretty sure it was the Shifley one, the cross-crease pass that Markstrom made a bonker Dude. save on with no stick. That was unbelievable. Now <laughs> That was an look. insane save. It might have also been the Ehlers goal. Um, right. I'm just trying to figure out which one it was. I'm pretty sure it was the Ehlers goal just because like, it doesn't get much closer than that. The 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 post and in goal, the two-on-one goal. the first one, right? This, oh, no, the, yeah, okay, the second one. Yeah, the second one. Well, he was in pretty tight on that first one, too. I thought the how that first one was a snipe. Man, him and Connor, man, they score Dude, every single time. Those guys, them. and how good was that play by Connor? Because um, we'll get into it chronologically, but they exploited because they were keying on him, like we said last time. Remember when he's like, oh, Con- Kyle Connor's yeah. wide open on the yeah. on the right wing, and he totally faked them out and found found Ehlers or Shifley. And yeah. wow, what a save by Marshall. That was unbelievable. So the deserve to win a meter. Um, I don't know if we give you the exact numbers. The flames deserve to win that game based on expected goals and expected goal rates, 73.7% of the time. So if you're looking at that, maybe you think, well, maybe it should have been a little more of a, of a lead than just a one goal game coming, you know, down the stretch, but Hey, if you're going to trust the process, you're going to trust that you're going to win those games. Well, it is weird too. Like, it's, it's, it's such a sports is so weird. Like at, at any point in that game last night, did you feel uncomfortable? Well, only because I have PTSD. If you were basing it on, <laughs> you know, the play that we were seeing just yeah. last night in a vacuum, no, but based on what I've seen from this team in the last three years in the Jekyll and Hyde show, the yo-yo up and down. Yes, of course I'm nervous. <laughs> See, I wasn't nervous for some reason. Maybe it's because they, they just played, they shut it down so well. Um, I don't know. It's, it's weird what one good game can do for my confidence, but I mean, so, you, but, but that was, they, they were consistently good through all three periods. Um, so I don't know. It just felt like they, it felt like they had that one. Yeah. Before we get into the breakdown, I do want to give Patrick Marlowe some love. Did you see the stat? Patrick Marlowe? Patrick Marlowe. What? He, he is, he, I think it was last night. He passed Yarmar Yager for third most games ever played ever ever whoa so guess who's number two uh gordy gordy how well gordy's number one. Oh, who's number two wait okay is it gonna be is it something i will never guess no you should guess it messier messier didn't play that long yeah it was messier was it okay yeah so he's only 22 games behind messier wow and he's only 33 games behind. Howell. No way. Holy shit balls. So barring, you know, <laughs> barring the most, str- you know, <laughs> obviously the most strange 
situation we've been in as a human, maybe not ever as a human species, but definitely in the last however many decades with this COVID, barring, you know, some not cancellation. I don't know what I'm going to say here, but, you know, he's supposed, and and injuries, of course, he's supposed to, uh, he's projected to surpass how for most games ever played in April. That is crazy. That's legitimately insane. So cool storyline to keep track of throughout the rest of the season. Patrick Marlowe, a beast. It's funny because he's had such a great career. And the only thing I ever remember him for is when Corey Sarich killed him. And right? the flames like came when? back from three, nothing <laughs> down in, in, in the first round against the sharks that year. Like when you say Patrick Marlowe and I think of him, that's exactly what I think of. Just- All I hear is Marlowe hammered. Like that's it. <laughs> I can't think of, I cannot picture a goal Patrick Marlowe has scored in my brain. Not even one ever. All I can picture is Corey Sarich absolutely demolishing that poor guy. Yeah, that was unbelievable. We got to get Sir Corey Sarich on just so we can just talk about that for a oh, while. Oh, totally. Okay, so the other thing that you posted that I thought was very, very interesting, speaking of Markstrom, is this statistic across the league. Right. High danger goal saved. Why don't you explain this? Oh, is this just on goalies? Yes. Yes. This was gold saved above expectation just on high danger shots, I believe. Um, so essentially what this does is goal saved above expectations. Like you've heard of goals above average, same kind of idea. Um, it just takes like a league wide uh, average based on shot quality. So um, yeah, Markstrom's Markstrom's high. He's, he's stopping the high danger chances, man. Yeah. And not only that, he, I mean, we, we've discussed this on this podcast, thanks to um, Kevin Woodley. Not only is he stopping the goals that he shouldn't be, he's stopping the ones that he should. So, <laughs> Which is probably, <laughs> for most of us, even more important. Yeah. But you saw it again last night. I mean, for me, that was a Michael Backlund, Mangiapani, and Jacob Markstrom show that we saw last night. Those guys totally drove the bus last night. We'll get into some of their numbers. Um, but yeah, Markstrom the, in, in, the, in the top 10 of the league, he's second only behind Andre Vasilevsky. And, you know, if you're looking at average, average is 0.00, obviously these guys are well above average. Jacob Markstrom is 3.24 goals that he stops above average as far as allowing high danger chances behind you. Which is and pretty thi- remarkable. Yeah, and the thing is too, like I thought the Flames were pretty good defensively last night, and some of those some of those great saves he made probably weren't counted as like high danger just because they were from farther away as opposed to like being in that kind of like uh, inner slot area. Yeah, but I mean those are still huge saves. Um, yeah. He made that big two on one save when Lindholm made a bad play. He made that like we said the Shifley play. There was another save I believe he made on Ehlers. Yeah, um, the two for me that the one you're talking about with obviously Shifley that we talked about, but that one on Ehlers, it, it was some sort of weird breakdown. It was like a three on two into a four on two. Yeah, Ehlers Dubé kind of missed his assignment there. Ehlers was a late man coming back, had a beautiful chance to one time it, and like like Markstrom's making these saves look pretty routine. That's yeah. that's what's pretty remarkable. About that's that's what you need more than anything. Like I, it's not even a joke when I say like I think for most of us the fact that he's making <laughs> the saves that he should. 
yeah is like more important <laughs> right. than making those unbelievable saves because it's just like how many times has this team you know as much as i love david riddick it's just like how many times has he let in that goal that's just like god damn it yeah exactly i mean man the margin of error is so small especially if you're in a competitive division right like we are obviously that the one and two spot right now is pretty you know there's only it's toronto and montreal yeah taking over that we'll see how montreal can hang on through it montreal's starting to dip a bit yeah toronto so, beat them tonight too so yeah so we'll see how how well they can continue you know their consistency into the season um, but that three spot four spot five spot between the flames oilers and jets is is pretty competitive in terms of um you know who's going to come out on top obviously i i we saw it from the oilers right um we we beat them because they suck defensively and in net right and mcdavid and dry settles damage is limited so i think if you're comparing us to the oilers we're slightly better um so if you if you're looking at a 10 game series between them i think we come out on top and i think that if you can if you can win the battle of alberta then i don't see how you miss the playoffs um you still got to play a good hockey throughout you know your rest of your matchups but that last playoff spot if winnipeg keeps rolling might just come down to edmonton and calgary and based on what we've seen so far we already know we're the better all-round team like you said a million times mcdavid and tricycle are, are a wild card but dude <laughs> Even even though you know the times have changed, it's like you still can't win. You still can't win with two players, man. Did you see that stat that they put out there? Because the Oilers beat the Senators um, lot was yesterday three to one, right? So held held the score sheet. Yeah, (laughs) so it's the first time since November of 2017. Oh my! That the Oilers have won a game when McDavid and Drysaddle haven't recorded a point. Yeah, and and this is not even an amazing feat because the Senators are that bad. They are literally that bad. Like that is wild. Like it was like they're like oh twenty six and one or something. That's like that that is insane. When McDavid and Drysaddle don't pick up a point, <laughs> that is mind boggling. And I think okay, so you and me were actually talking about this just before we get into the game. Um, you had said, you know what? Like, I think this Markstrom signing might even be worth it that much more just because the Oilers didn't get him. Because, yeah. like, yeah. how good would the Oilers be with <laughs> a legitimate goalie? And there was a report out today. I'm trying to – oh, yeah, here it is. There was a report out today that Edmonton was actually Markstrom's first choice. but wow. can But Ken Holland wanted to go shorter term. And the Flames came in and offered the long-term deal, and that was the wow. Difference. Isn't that wow? Isn't that insane? Okay, well, I mean, I don't care what we pay him. Like, I mean, you've said this with Johnny Gaudreau, just to stick at Eric Francis. Who cares what his next contract is if we can keep him? Yeah, I think it's the same situation. If if it was down to Calgary and Edmonton, and we had to pay, you know, what, what higher dollar, higher term, it's not like we paid outrageous, right? We may not have been overpaid. It just seems like we, we, you know, most likely did. We'll see how it pans out. But the fact that we prevented the Oilers, your number one division rival, from acquiring Markstrom, it's worth it, hundred percent. Yep. <laughs> like, Good one, Brad. Talk, talk about ma- talk about managing risk, 
right? Yeah. It's like, okay, there's more risk involved in not acquiring because he's going to the Oilers. So you're willing to pay more. Single-handedly kind of pushed, made the Oilers and the Canucks less competitive and yourself more competitive. So, uh, dude, you know what? Maybe Brad is playing chess, you know? I don't know. Sometimes, right? Sometimes it's peekaboo. Sometimes it's chess. I mean, you just, you just, it, you never know what's going on. Boy. So you alluded to this. Here's the the stats of the game. against this last one against Winnipeg. Calgary won the shots 29 to 27. Both teams are 50% of the power play. Shot attempts 48 to 31 for the Flames. And scoring chances 24 to 10 for the Flames. And high danger scoring chances 12 to 1. The Flames dominated. Yeah, they sure did. Dominated and, possession and dominated the quality of, of possession too. And I think one of the commentators alluded to this is like when when two goal is probably Rudy, right? When two goalies are are you know world class, they make a game look really close, maybe when it shouldn't be. And that was probably the case last night. Well, yeah, the Flames had some great A chances, a post, a few missed, a few missed shots too. So um that's one of those games that most nights you probably win that maybe four or five two. But like you said, playing Hellbuck, some bad luck. It's so, pretty. So it's a pretty good night for me. Finally, some good look at the end. Yep. Good look at the end, though. Yeah. So we, we touched on Markstrom. Let's go to Backlund and Mangiapane. You posted some crazy stats for these guys. Man, um, oh man. Do you have that up? Yeah, Backlund last night. So again, like I, how good for me for my money, Andrew Mangiapane is this team's best player right now <laughs> at five on five. Dude, five dude on is five. dude is a. What is he? He, I want to say, I want to say like a water bug, but that doesn't sound like, what am I trying to say here? He's just like, he's, he's a a smaller slippery version of Ryan O'Reilly. Seriously. Like the dude is a monster. Like he's insane right now, but Michael Backlund was out of this. He was vintage Backlund last night. So Backlund had five shots, seven shot attempts, four scoring chances, three high danger chances. Manjapani had a goal, two high danger chances last night. And they were matched up against the Kyle Connor line all night and pretty much completely shut them down. So Backlund and Mangiapane alone as a duo pretty much matched what the Jets as a team produced last night. Oh, in yeah. Terms, in terms of, uh, in terms of scoring chances. chances. Yep. yep. Um, now, it looked to me that Maurice switched things up. We saw PLD's debut. Um, as a third line center with Connor on the wing. So he's trying to spread out depth through the lineup now, which means Kyle Connor was down to the third line. He's still getting the PP time. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see how this plays out. Right. Um, we, we know how dangerous the jets have been offensively to start the season off yeah. while line a was in the lineup with just a really, really heavy top six. It was getting the job done. Maybe it's not sustainable, but it was getting the job done at the start of the season. So we'll see how this adjustment works because now you're looking at, you know, they you got Appleton on the first line. I'm sorry. No, I mean, no, no, no I don't know. Appleton's no offense. You can offend Mason okay. Appleton. Yeah, this is not a Jets podcast. Appleton, come on. Like, what is this? This is like putting Chase on up on the top line with McDavid and Dreisaitl. Yeah. And then who do they have on the second line with Wheeler and, and Stashney? Well, I think they had Veselane in, didn't they? Yeah, see, who's that? Yeah, exactly. And then your third line now is Connor with 
Dubois, Dubois and, and I think Lewis was there, wasn't he? Trevor Lewis. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be curious because we've seen this before. Um, you know, everybody's always talking up depth, 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 but if you can't figure it out where it actually makes your lineup better on a nightly basis, and I'm not saying that this is the case for the Jets, right? But it's just interesting to me to see your, I think the Jets, you know, is most dangerous player in Kyle Connor. If, if he's going to be seeing four, three or four, you know, less minutes of ice each game. Um, I don't know. It's, it'll, it'll be interesting to watch because well, I know part of where we've sat looking at this Flames roster is like, even with Sam Bennett, guys like that's like Michael Backlund, where the hell do you put the, all these guys, right? To make it work. We're starting to maybe see that, but. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like the parallel there is okay. Andrew Mangipani is only playing 15 minutes a night for me. That's not enough. Um, like he's got to play more. Yeah, I, I, and- I get, I get they're using him in that role, but I mean, he's been so good. Like he, he, he should be playing. He should be playing more. He should. Andrew Mangipani should not be playing same amount of ice time as Sam Bennett at five on five, in my opinion. Yeah. So did he, yeah, so last night, I'm just looking at time on ice. He had 16 minutes last night. Now, the thing is, if this third line keeps rolling, which it's kind of up in the air, right, because the wild card is Lucic. Obviously, he's he's looked the most effective we've seen him all season, which is a really low bar to come from. <laughs> but, you know, he's playing with Backlund, Mangiapane, who are dialed right in right now. So how much of, you know, Lucic's uptake in plays can be attributed to these two guys, but – with all things said, he's he's made some good plays himself. He's been, you know, generating. He's been part of the generating these these chances with these guys. No, I, I mean think, he's he's been good for sure. So, but my question is, is that sustainable? We'll see. Yeah. Like you said, I think the other day, for some weird reason, like Lucic and Backlund have some chemistry. It's true. Right? It's very and, odd. And I know that you know. I think it was the last podcast we suggested potentially swapping Dubé and Mangiapane. Um, if that top line can't be more effective in terms of, you know, getting on the score sheet five on five, maybe you got to look at that more closely. Hopefully Ward is paying attention to this. That would be my suggestion because I think that would be the best solution for everybody because I, I, I think you found a spot where Lucic is at least contributing and it's working right now. Um, I think the easiest thing to do, the other thing is too, like I've said this a hundred times, it's like Dubé is kind of giving you some diminishing returns on that top line. And so I think it really comes down to like, what do you want out of that top line? Because if you put Mangiapane on that top line, yeah. that is an instant, like that's what you've always wanted in this like play driving top line you can throw it in all situations it's it's what they've said they've always wanted um that would be an elite that's your answer to the patrice bergeron line that's your answer to the mark stone line would be putting one of the most elite play drivers in the league right now in manjipani on a on a line with lindholm and kachuk so i think that's something you're gonna have to explore if kachuk and lindholm don't start putting up more numbers five on five like um matthew kachuk has not been particularly effective since the toronto game um, yeah. So, I mean, you, you, sure they've been okay, but I mean, you can't have your top line not doing much five on five every single night. And I mean, they well, have other responsibilities too, but still they need to score. Yeah. He, I mean, he had those two goals against Winnipeg, but outside of that game, he, I mean, we're so, 
we're so used to seeing Matthew Kachuk scoring big goals on the regular. So that's something Ward, like you said, has got him. He's got to manage that pretty close to keep a close eye on it. But on the other hand, if Mangiapane is going to bring this out of Backland and yeah. bring this to a third line, I don't think you can mess that up right now. Well, and then, so the flip side of that is similar with like diminishing returns of on Dubé on the top line. The same thing with Lucic. I don't think this is going to work forever. Yeah. And I mean, everybody can, everyone comes to defend Milan Lucic's honor. <laughs> the second I say, you know, like he's playing good, but I still think he'd be better served to have somebody else on that third line. Um, so, I mean, again, if Backlund and Manji, because Backlund and Manji do seem to have that, uh, that kind of, yep. that kind of, it's not chemistry, but it's like, they do sync. bring, yeah, they sync really well. They, it's got that 3M. It's got that like Backlund for Leak 5, um, yeah. where it's like they just work so well together. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Do you see Ryan Pinder is uh, saying, is this the 3M? 3.0? Milan, <laughs> Milan, Mangiapani, and Michael. Honestly, I would, I would straight up love for them to reunite uh, the, the 3M 2.0 with Kachuk because, man, that's one of the best lines ever. But, you know, it's. I don't mind this Milan Lucic thing right now. Well, listen, the, the main thing is, is if he can, can, and look, it's not like he's, it's not like he's having these outstanding performances where you're like, oh, can Milan keep this up? Right. It's like, he's, he's keeping his game simple yeah. and simple is effective if you're Milan Lucic. So I don't know. It, it could go either way, but I think, you know, the optimistic side of me is like, okay, well, it's not like he's, you know, it's not like he's scoring three goals a game. You're like, oh. Well, well yeah, I know. That's what people are acting like, right? Like, people are like, oh, he's been so good. It's like he's been good for two games. He alongside just hasn't, he two, just hasn't been a, a sinking ship for two games. Yeah. So more like the <laughs> Exactly. He's not completely destroyed your third line. He's been yeah. good. That's a that's about it. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, you, you mentioned that if you want to move – Mangiapane back up to that first line, then you have a solution for the Marchand line, the Bergeron line, right? And so it might just come down to, depending on who your opponent is, right? Do you, might just depend on who's playing where in the lineup and what line formations you want to go with, right? Um, but I think more, first, you know, first and foremost, more than anything is, is who's, what's working, right? Because right now that third line is working. I don't see Ward dismantling that at all um and then what do you do with levo i know that you know we'll get to some of these analytics here um in terms of levo has been one of your better five on five players as well i don't think brad tree living brought him in to play on the fourth line yeah um now i get it there's you have this thing going on with sam bennett and that's another talking point we got to get to but where do you put josh levo amidst all this if if um, Milan Lucic is working out on the third line, where the hell does Josh Levo go? Well, again, if this I, – I don't know, because I understand what they're doing with Bennett right now. And, like, truth be told – Because really that's where he goes, where Bennett exactly, is. Yeah, exactly. Like, under normal circumstances, and, like, even if to make your team better, Josh Levo is playing with Kedro and Monaghan. Um, I think that's the best we've seen him, the best look we've seen – on Gaudreau and Monahan's wing, other than Mangiapane this year. And I even kind of like Levo a little bit better with those two guys, just because 
the right hand shot does intrigue me. Um, well, he's been looking better too in the last few games. He's yeah, like his, his I, I didn't understand. I did not understand the scratching. Like what? Like Joachim Nordstrom has been straight up dog shit this whole year, um, and you're going to scratch Josh Levo, who has been one of your best five on five players in terms of like creating offense and, and holding his own in, in the D zone. So I didn't understand the scratching to begin with. Um, he was he now, looked- you, now you'll have to explain this to people because from a, from, if you're just watching the game and not looking at any of these underlying numbers, probably people are, you know, don't have many good things to say about Levo yet at this point, maybe outside the last two games. Yeah. Like, I mean, when you watch him, I've, I've, he's just, he's been in the offensive zone most of the time on five on five. Like he hasn't been getting caught in his own zone. He's been generating quality chances um, for the most part, five on five. I think outside of Mangiapani, he has been the best creator of uh, quality chances at five on five. He just hasn't had any puck luck yet. Yeah. Um, he needs more ice time. Yeah. And he needs more ice. So I think to answer your question, <laughs> it's very obvious where he goes, but you're dealing with Sam Bennett right now. And I was going to say, like, I think honestly, like that is actually the best use of Sam Bennett, in my opinion, is in a on an offense only line. Right. That's what I've been kind of harping on for a while is like Sam Bennett is not this two way guy, right? Like I, I, I've kind of made the comparison. He's more similar to Monaghan than he is to Backlund, like because they kind of had him playing on the 3M line in like 2016, 2017 with like Backlund and Kachuk. And they kind of had him on the third line in a defensive role with Jankowski. He's kind of been, he's a square peg in a round hole um, where he is pretty much offense like Monaghan. That's it. He doesn't do anything but create offense. And obviously he's not a, a, a good shooter like Monaghan, but he's not good at defense. So playing him on a line like the Goudreau Monaghan line that gets the high ground at home ice. When you don't have to get those tough matchups, you start a lot in the offensive zone. I do think that is the best place for Sam Bennett to play as a player, but for this team, that's a different question because I think Josh Levo would, would serve you. You'd win more games with Josh Levo on that wing than Sam Bennett, I think, but I, I understand it. And I think it is good for Sam Bennett. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Like if you look at, you know, yesterday's game against the jets in that first period, he was buzzing. Like he could have probably had one or two goals. I thought he was in and around the net. Um, he was he was making things happen. He doesn't seem to mesh well with, um, like the, I don't know. And this could just be a byproduct of like look who he's played with his entire career, right? Just it's been two revolving doors of AHL players and guys going you know demoted down at the fourth line. Um, when has he ever really played with high skill? So there's a factor there of like there's probably an adjustment period for Sam Bennett. So I don't know. I thought he looked good in the first period. Then he kind of disappeared for me after that. But if you're looking at Sam Bennett, the Sam Bennett situation, and it is, it's weird, right? We're sitting here saying that this is a problem in the lineup, but probably most coaches want to have this sort of problem of like, where do you slot players when you don't have enough spots for guys? Right. Um, But hopefully that doesn't hurt the team in the long run, right? Maybe, I don't know how Ward's going to manage this, but this could work for Sam Bennett, right? I think this is the argument that I've made is that we've never actually seen him get an opportunity for an extended period of time. He's always gotten 
you know, the one, one off, one, one off opportunities that have worked for other players like Dubé and Manjapani, right? But I don't know. This is obviously an interesting situation with the dynamics of, you know, the drama between the head coach and the management that we've seen so far with the agent so far. Because behind all this, I've been saying that, look, Bennett hasn't really gotten a, you know, an opportunity outside of just like little flashes here and there. But it doesn't seem like he's also been worked with on a one-on-one kind of mental approach to what his game should look like. That's probably still not happening. If anything, I think Ward has, you know, has a little bit of, I don't know how, why you want to explain it. Um, he has it out for Sam Bennett, maybe essentially, right. With this whole benching we saw the other game and now he's maybe just giving him lip service. Yeah. Um, or he's, I don't know what's going on in in the dressing room because from, from the, what Sam Bennett had to say about the whole situation just what three days ago was that he wasn't sure if Ward was trying to play games with him. So the situation doesn't necessarily sound like, you know, Ward is really invested in Sam Bennett. More so the situation seems like, okay, well, this motherfucker wants to, you know, make the organization look bad. So I'm going to bench him and then I'm going to put him in a spot where he's either going to make himself look like an idiot or whatever else is going to happen. So that that's what it feels like. It feels like fine. You think you're the shit. We'll put you with our two best offensive players and give you some easy minutes. Let's see what you got. That's what it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like they are, like you said, investing in Sam Bennett in any um, kind of like true and organic way. It's just kind of like, it's more of like an under the table middle finger. Yeah. Right. What it feels like, which would not be surprising if simultaneously Brad, you're living is shopping this guy around hardcore. Yeah. I I would be shocked if Sam Bennett is not being shopped incredibly hard and is still here on the team at the end of the year. So I don't know. We've said this before. Sam Destin, Sam Bennett is destined for failure. So we'll just see like if, if a deal can't be done, you know, with the next five, 10 games and he's still in that line, watch, he'll get an injury or something. All right. I'll knock on wood. I don't want to change <laughs> the guy, but this just seems the way of Sam Bennett. And maybe it's just because he's in the flames organization. So I don't know. Should have but... traded him after the Dallas series. That's what I said. Could have got a first for him. Everybody would have been happy. But if you're looking at a best case scenario, what's a, what's a better case scenario for you? If Sam Bennett finds some form of a game where let's say he puts, together a 15 goal campaign, you know, probably I would just say on pace for 15 goal, maybe not 15 in a shortened season, but if this was a regular season, he'd be on pace for 15 goals playing with Monty and Johnny, where he's still a bit of a liability on the defensive end. Um, And he's still a liability from time to time with dragging that, dragging that pairing down a little bit, but he's, but he's, he's found some form versus, you know, because is there going to be a better scenario than that? He's going to break out more than that. I doubt it. Like that's, that's probably all you can really ask for. Maybe he gets 20 goals. Listen, (laughs) like, I mean, I know I just said it's like an undercover or under the table middle finger, but honestly, this is the best kit. Like if Johnny and Monty are going to have to drag somebody around, I think Sam Bennett is better than (laughs) who the, who previous guys they've had to drag around, like chase on and Brower. And I mean, like, yeah, Simone. Like, I would much rather have Sam Bennett. <laughs> the upside of Sam Bennett on that line is probably a lot more than Dominic Simone, right? Um, so, I do think it is kind of like beneficial for both sides. It feels like a what's the what's the parasitic relationship? 
Um, it's kind of what it feels like. And hey, maybe that'll work. Like I think best case scenario, he stays in that line, gives you the last good bit of hockey, maybe helps you in the playoffs and you go on a bit of a run and then Seattle takes him. That seems like the best scenario to me. Um, just because I don't think you're getting much back for him in, in a trade. So I think as a fan and as somebody who likes Sam Bennett and somebody who wants to see him do well, um, I think that would be the best case scenario is if he does have a nice little season alongside Gaudreau Monahan. Because, I mean, for all the shit Gaudreau Monahan get, they've, they could play with a, a corpse on their right side and make them look good. Like, I mean, again, like Chase on, Brower, Furland. Like, Michael Furland got paid because he spent a season beside Johnny Gaudreau. Elias Lindholm had 30 goals because he spent a season beside Johnny Gaudreau. So those two guys can can make uh, some, you know, maybe not elite players look pretty good. So yep. I don't know. I, I think it could still work out on that side. The other, the other maybe, you know, best case scenario is he gets another five games, seven games with Johnny Monty starts to, to score some goals, ups his trade value. Yeah. And then you actually can move him get something actually that makes your team better now um, while then moving Josh Levo into that spot um, out of those three scenarios, what's the best case scenario? I mean, I would take that scenario. It, it just seems, I just don't know what you're going to get for him. Um, but I do think this team would be better with Josh, Josh Levo in the top six as opposed to Sam Bennett. Yeah. Sam Bennett is to me, it's still the most interesting story going on in this team right now, just in terms of, of what's going to happen to his game, not even to him as a person. I'm just curious. Like I want to see at least five to seven more games with Monty and Johnny because we'll know, right? I don't think he's ever had that long of a, of a time period playing with two really high skilled guys. Right. So yeah, no, this is, this is pr- proof in the pudding time for Sam Bennett. And so if you're Sam Bennett, man, you, you just gotta <laughs> like, you gotta make hay right now. And because you know you feed off confidence. So if he doesn't have the organization working with him, then he's got to be doing it by himself. And lots of players can do that. So I'm really curious over the next five games because here's the other thing. For your next five games are against Vancouver. Vancouver is second last. They're 6-10. and ten. The only games they've won this year, um, well, half the games they've won this year are against the Ottawa Senators. So and if, they're leaky as shit defensively. If you take away the, the series against the Senators, they're 3-10. and 10. And just to put this in perspective, expected goals against per 60 minutes, there's only one team worse by the money puck model than the Ottawa Senators, and it's the Vancouver Canucks. And it's not even like they're a little bit worse. They're way worse. So I'm very curious to, to see, you know, this third line is on a bit of a roll right now. Obviously, with Lindholm clinching the game winner late in the game, that top line has got to be feeling it a bit. You got a little, maybe a little bit of added chemistry starting to build with Monty, Johnny, Bennett. We'll see what Ward does, right? We got a three-line attack right now. Yo, um, I, and like I, I, this is Byron phrase. Like I will take that. Get Nordstrom out of there. I, that like I will take guys like that in your lineup on your filling up, populating your fourth line. All day long over guys like Nordstrom or Simone who are just like come in and do nothing. Especially if that's what it takes for reader, uh, Ward not to roll four lines all, day, all game long. <laughs> exactly. 
So it's just a win-win. But I don't know. Four or five games, next four or five games are against Vancouver. Listen, Sam Bennett, now is your opportunity, bud. You're playing with the two highest skilled guys on the team, as far as offensively speaking goes. Against a team leaky defensively, you should be able to get better matchups. If I'm Ward, dude, I'm giving him reps on PP2 in this next series. And I'm just going to, I'm just out of curiosity's sake, I want to see what Sam Bennett can do against a weaker opponent with skilled players over a four game series. And I don't know. That's why I'm so curious just to see where this is going to go in terms of what are we going to see out of Sam Bennett? Yeah. It's make or break time. Just like it doesn't get much, doesn't get much more make or break than this for Sam. Yeah. Because th- this will be telling. I think if, if we don't see much in the next four games, this is a giant opportunity in my eyes. So if we don't see much, I don't know how much longer you want to wait until you put Levo back up there. Um, look, I know the knock on Levo so far is this game, this league's all about producing, right? And I know you made the case for Mangiapane early on today, but some people will argue they got to see results. They got to see goals. Um, he's starting to get those. So for Mangiapane is, so it's the same thing with, with Levo until he actually starts generating. And again, it's kind of like the chicken before the egg. Well, you got to get him in a spot to generate, right? Not with Nordstrom. And, you know, instead of, you know, putting him in the shootout when he hasn't (laughs) scored a goal yet and then benching him in the next game (laughs) and then put him on the fourth line. It's like, come on, Ward. Um, But anyways, storylines within storylines. Very interesting. Yeah, I I think – it's it's gonna be like it's it's weird. It's like th- there's not a more juicy storyline in hockey right now than than the Sam Bennett saga, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. So the the first period, right? Well, what'd you think of what'd you think of uh, Dubois? Let's let's start with there. Let's start there. Uh, eh. Like he looked like he looked like he hadn't played in a while. Yeah, he had a few flashes. Like right? he's Re- fast and he's good, but. You could tell he was rusty as shit. Yeah. I'm just glad that we, well, we lost all the games that he was at anyways, but <laughs> I'm glad, we just want, we, I'm glad we're, we're, you know, we played the majority of Winnipeg for now. And that's behind us before Dubay gets settled in. Or I was more like Nikolai Ehlers looked like an absolute monster out there. He yeah. was, he was impressive. I still think regardless of where, well, I don't know, I guess we'll see how Dubois, develops on this team but i still think line is more dangerous man especially when we play them line scares me more than pld for sure <laughs> when yeah. he's got the puck on his stick yeah so okay first period you notice right off the hop backland was going you see him dangle that guy coming out of the zone dude and that was again vintage backland like that i think that's what something maybe is underrated about his game over the past five or six years is like He's he's fallen off defensively, but dude has is always been like incredibly skilled. That wasn't like the speed coming out of there. He generates a two on one, and then he doesn't force the pass and make a bad play. He actually gets a good shot off. I was really impressed by that whole flashes sequence. of the Boston goal last year where he scored an end to end beauty. Yep, that third line as a whole in the in the first period. Um, them and Sam Bennett were kind of the takeaways for me. They were, they all looked really good. Yeah. I, I, I had no complaints about that first period. That was a good period. 
So second period, um, we go down. Did we score first last night? No, the Jets did. Ehlers made it one nothing. So that was a, a penalty on Sean Monahan in front. I don't now. even know what that penalty was for. Still, I was gonna say it's a horseshit call. Complete like, horseshit. They, I know a, a lot of the Jets fans were bitching about the the call at the end there, but like, can someone explain that Sean Monahan call to me? Like, like I'm sorry, what? I was a little miffed about that because obviously now you're, you get the dangerous power play and they did get one there. But leading up to that, there was a play before the penalty ensued because Bennett was on that line. Bennett's not playing center. He's playing wing. And have you noticed this, that it's not just Sam Bennett in this play, but there's a, there's a, there's a play where, you know, the puck's down behind our own net and then, it gets rimmed up to the D, the, the Winnipeg D at the blue line. And it's just like, there's, where's Sam Bennett, right? He's like down right, where the, the face-off are... dot is. He's he, he's not covering his point. Like if you're playing five on five, even if, the main thing when you're on your own end is playing three on three down low. And so the wingers, you don't want to collapse too far because then you lose your point, man. You can walk in and sneak behind you. You got to keep your head on a swivel, all that kind of stuff. But if you're the wingers, you're you're mainly concerned with, you know, you're the defensemen. Like those are your guys. Unless the puck comes up high to you, you're not supposed to really activate too much. But it seems like the whole team does this, where they just completely abandon the defensemen. I don't. I don't really. I don't know. Have you noticed that? It's like well, it seems like a defensive I tactic. Have, yeah, I think it's. I think it's a byproduct of the collapsing towards the net thing that they seem to be doing that they were doing a lot of in the playoffs where um, like, sure it keeps the, it keeps <laughs> whoever you're playing to the outside and doesn't really allow for a lot of slot shots and a lot of cross ice passes at, at even strength. But I mean, then pretty much you can do whatever you want with the puck on the boards. If you're the jets or whoever the flames are playing, go to the point. Like, cause that that's kind of what you see a lot right now. Right. Is like the flames getting hemmed in their own zone a lot. Yep. Not necessarily giving up a ton of shots in front, but like you said, they're so collapsed to the net. They're all so close together. They're all so deep. Um, like, and you, you notice this, like D-men can pinch all the time, right? Like how many yeah. times you see D the D active from the blue line, keeping the puck in, keeping the play alive. Cause half the flames forwards are like at the net. So I think it's probably a byproduct of this weird protect the house collapsing way too much thing that they've been doing. Yeah, because you you certainly see that when they when they don't even hold the blue line when the other team's coming down from the neutral zone. Yeah, exactly. So it's probably a byproduct of that. My biggest concern is, look, I get it. You don't really have a lot of highly skilled defensemen in the division, but is that why Dallas murdered us so hard? And like they they figure out the game plan, and then the amount of chances generated from the point with Niskin in and and with Lind. Lindell or whatever Lindell his name is. and Klingberg and Heiskin. So, <laughs> right. Or what if you're, what if you're playing Burns and, and Carlson up there? Yeah. I don't know. If you're listening to this, just watch, keep an eye out for that. Like, I don't get it, but anyways, because that led to the whole, you know, chance in front where Monaghan got the penalty to begin with. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on <laughs> phrase and Nordstrom being together on the PK? 
I mean, it's not my favorite thing in the entire world. <laughs> you know, like, like, I, I don't buy this notion that Nordstrom is like such a great penalty killer. Like, have we seen him be like this? Have we even seen him be like Reader? At least Reader could score some shorties. Like, I, I'm sorry, but Joachim Nordstrom <laughs> might be the worst hockey player I've ever seen play hockey in my life. Like, whenever the puck is in his general vicinity, I'm like, what are you doing? How are you in the NHL? So I'll that say was, no, was, I don't like him on the, was, power, the penalty kill. <laughs> that was going to be my second question for you is, does Ward have some unwritten rule where your fourth liners have to be your penalty killers? Your fourth line plugs have to kill all your penalties. Well, and see, that was the thing is like, I say what you want about Mark Jankowski. Dude is a very good penalty killer. Um, so you let him go, you let reader go. And I don't like reader, but I mean, man, I don't, I don't like that. That is one of the worst penalty killing duos. Like, and maybe Brian phrase can, can work into it, but I mean, he's still a quad a AHL guy. I don't like that penalty kill unit at all. I don't like it. Sorry, Joachim Nordstrom, you suck. You suck at what you're supposed to be good at. Yeah, like arguably that's that's your two weakest players. No slight on phrase, but I mean, you're, he's, a, he's a call up. You're going to put a call up with your weakest fourth line player. It just seems to- weird to me because like the penalty kill, if anything, that's why I think Chris Tanev is such a good penalty killer. He's smart. Like he, it's this weird thing of like, oh, the guys who just suck <laughs> and who work hard. They're there. They can kill penalties. It's like, no, you have to, you probably have to be smarter to well, play on the penalty up, kill. You're going up against the team's most highest skilled combination they can come up with. Right. So if you're just like doing the David Moss where you like work your ass off, but are always at a position, um, I don't think that's really going to work out. So I, I don't, <laughs> don't like it. Don't like it at all. I mean, why can't you go back with Manjapani on one unit? Lindholm and phrase or like, even Dubé probably even be good penalty Dubé killer. or like, I mean, Levo's no slouch in his own zone. Like I, I don't understand. Like Nordstrom sucks at defense five on five. Why would he be good at defense five V four? So that's right. gotta, that's gotta change even though it won't get changed. The only blemish I saw on Backlund's game last night, there was that, sh- that shift late in the, in the second where he he totally gave up on the icing. He, he was like four feet four feet ahead ahead of the guy, and then he just gave up and turned out to be icing. And then he lost the draw. He was stuck out there for like three minutes. He's he's had he thought he was playing too much with his Swedish too much going on in little Sweden last night. Maybe he too many meatballs, eh? Yeah, too many. And I don't know if I agree with, with Kelly Rudy and, you know, when he had that breakaway and Rudy's like, hey, not a bad decision to just change <laughs> instead of going to breakaway. Yeah, what was he talking about? I was like, that was a terrible decision. And then he's going off about uh, how great Elias Lindholm's muffin was. <laughs> Rudy is, okay, say what you want about Kelly Rudy. The guy has a good time on those broadcasts. Yeah. Rare is the occasion he is not having a hell of a time. Him and Rick Ball, it's happy hour up there. It's Tell that's you. exactly what it is. All I'm right. probably too harsh on Nordstrom. I don't think he's that good on the penalty kill, but whatever. The um the second either's goal was that just kind of a weird like I know Lucic went off. I was trying to look and see where the where the breakdown happened. I don't know how they got that two on one, but well, just like- I'm I wish that somebody would keep track of uh, odd man rush statistics somewhere. 
because like the flames oh the, the flames have to be leading the league this year in in two-on-ones oh, especially given up right Especially when Gio's out there pinching like every freaking second. What is he doing? <laughs> He's like, I'm pinching. <laughs> Gio has lost his goddamn mind this year. Like you can just kind of see it on his face. Like he's just <laughs> he's just like going for it. He's going, he's working too hard. He's like going all out. Dude, it's so true. Just look at his okay. Anytime you see his face, it's just like I know. the guy's ready to kill over. Holy like, shit. Always. He's just breathing heavy, and he's got that vein bulging out of his head. And his, what's with his? What? Okay, question about his helmet. Like, have you ever noticed that Geo's ears are like his helmet never fits his head? There's like always a huge gap between his ears and his helmet, and it's always oh. been like that. Everyone else's helmet fits their ears. There's a fucking two inch gap between Geo's ear, like the where his ear is and where his helmet starts. It's weird. Well, you've seen his face when he takes his helmet off, right? <laughs> Looks like he got hit in the forehead with a battle axe. Yeah, he's got a Jerome again, the head noggin for sure. Anyways, bad, that was a bad pinch. All the there was a bunch of bad pinches. Lindholm made a really bad play on that uh, other save that Markstrom had to make. Rass made it. I don't know if Rass did it last game, but he in the past few he's been making some bad pinches too. Yeah, I'm not sure the decision making there. Like, do they have the green light to just pinch whenever they want? I don't know. Um, um, last kind of coming into the third period. So that play by Backlund, that defensive play, did you catch that? Where he <laughs> stripped Shifley? Yeah. Yeah. That's a Ooh. hell of a play. That back pass, that back check. Yeah. Man, that saved like, the goal. I was going in. And then we get on the power play right after that. So Backlund, Ooh. did he get the, whatever that belt is? I think he got it. Last what is that belt? I don't even know. It's like got blasty on it. It says like not stats don't matter or some shit. What's going on with that? Yeah, they they said what it was. I forget what it was. It's something like you know the guy that you know sacrificed himself for the team. Whoa. Like that. Sounds spooky. Why don't they just bring back the hard hat? The hard hat <laughs> was the original, and everything else has been kind of lame since. Like they had that that no, hey, cowboy on, hat, the WWE belt. Come on, <laughs> they should make it like four times bigger though. It look yeah, it's too. It's like that's what I was gonna say. It looks like a children's toy. It looks like something Noah would have like at home from when he was a kid or something. Because it's got blasty on it, obviously. All right, let's let's fast forward. What do you th- what do you think on the call on Johnny? Obviously, it's a high stick. Look, some some guy, <laughs> some troll on Twitter yeah, is trying you. to. <laughs> was trying to explain to me that the refs lost in that game. The thing is, it's like it was a horseshit call against Monahan. And we're sitting here as Flames fan waiting for the makeup call. And the the Jets get all these, you know, little stick infractions, whatever. No call, no call, no call. And it's like, okay, well, as long as they're not calling anything else, whatever. But if you're going to put the whistles away, that means all you're calling are obvious things. High sticks and trips. You can't but, not call that. You can't not call, especially on a guy like Johnny Goudreau. So for Jets fans to be complaining about that, like, I'm sorry. But you have to call that. It's a high stick. Like, what are you supposed to do? And I know everyone was like, oh, Bennett got away with that cross check. Why didn't they call that? It wasn't even that bad, man. If you look yeah. at it in slow mo, it's like Morrissey's backing into him. Bennett, he didn't even extend. I think Morrissey so, was trying to I think Morrissey was trying to sell that more than anything. I don't know. You can't not call a blatant high stick to the face. Like <laughs> I, I don't know how you can complain about that one. Yeah. And then man. 
Lindholm got some puck luck finally. Dude, that's right? Lindholm's that's Lindholm's jam right there, eh? Like he's he's he scored the game winner. He scored a couple of goals from that little that spot with some floater shots. Mr. Clutch. He was going for do you think he was going for Monahan or Kachuk? Because he was passing that all the way. Well, it it bounced. I think it was going wide of the net, wasn't it? I think he was aiming for Monahan's stick right in front for the tip. And I you know what? I kind of like that look they had where they have him on the right on really high and then he swoops in like that. Um, because then you have Monahan and Kachuk in front. I kind of like that. Well, we're seeing all sorts of looks. Yeah, Chucky had the between the legs attempt, eh? Dude, the one of those is gonna go in. Just a matter of time. I am the between the legs detractor. Yeah, you don't like it. I don't like it. It drives the drives me fucking crazy, to be honest. Um, that uh, if you look at the one he tried last night, um, instead of trying to go far side, he had all the room close the short side to go up top. I like it when he's on the other side, like the one he scored against San Jose when he's coming across the net on his backhand. Then it works. Otherwise, stop it, Matthew. So the fact that they found a way to do it in regulation, right? It's a four-point game. You've already oh, really? you already, already pissed away all these points against the Jets. Yeah, like that. That was a must-win in regulation, and they they found a way that pulled it off. And you know, a lot of people are saying that's their best sixty minutes they've put together. I don't disagree. I think probably as far as, you know, putting a full game together, that was the best one. And um, Hey, they got rewarded for it. Yeah. And I mean, like, again, I don't even, I, I didn't really buy it. Like, Oh, you have to play 60 minutes. But the fact that they didn't have like a 20 minute complete lapse that lost them the game. Yeah. Cause if they had had a lapse in that game last night, they would have lost. Like, let's say they even have a 10 minute lapse in the second or the third. You're probably not winning when it's that close. So the fact that they just didn't disappear for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, that's probably what won you in the game more than just like, okay, you played really well through all three periods. It's just the fact that they didn't have a colossal fuck up that they've been prone to the last pretty much the entire season in every game. So, yeah. And like, again, I'm again, you, I can trust the system if they're not going to have colossal taking entire 20 minutes off. So you get outshot 18 to three. Yeah, exactly. But if that's happening, I'm not trusting shit. No, because what am I supposed to trust? Oh, you're gonna play really well and then dip. I can't. I can't trust that. Okay, maybe let's wrap things up. There's another stat that you post up, posted here. Uh, your top five and bottom five in average game score in 11 games. This is an interesting stat. So, if you, do you have it in front of you? Because I do. If you, if you, uh, yeah, I, I can pull it up. So your top. While you're pulling it up, I'll just go through the top five. Uh, Matthew Kachuk's number one. Johnny Gaudreau, Elias Lindholm, Noah Hannafin, number four. And Boy, Noah. Manji Pony, number five. Um, yeah, so these have been your your top five players. Maybe ex- just explain what, what what we're looking at. Sure. So game score, um, if if you're familiar with it, it's a it's a stat. Everybody know Dom Dom Lushishin from from the Athletic. He's like the hockey analytics guy. He pretty much just took a stat that they use in baseball or baseball in basketball, which is like it, it measures like single game productivity. It's just called game score. So essentially it combines a bunch of different stats and they're actually, I like using this stat because it's a little less reliant on um, like underlines. It does actually show you like who had a good game on the score sheet as well. Um, so the factors are it's weighted there's goals primary assists secondary assists shots on goal blocks penalty differential uh face-off wins 
uh, shot attempts and uh, goals on ice goals for and on ice goals against. So it's just kind of like a nice all encompassing, obviously it's not perfect stat, but it's just an easy, it's an easy stat to look at after a game and see, okay, who, who was performing well, who had some good results tonight. So then your bottom five um, going in from worse to even worse order. Nesterov, number five. Now this is for the whole team, so someone's got to be at the bottom. And, and also, it's important to note that only one guy is in the negative, right? Yeah, because I was, I was going to say Nesterov's still on the plus side of average, is it not? Yeah, yeah. So Nesterov, even though he's coming low, as for the team, even though he's still above average, right? He's above replacement. Yeah, it's just an average. It's it's yeah, it's just like a a league average. So you got Nesterov, Ryan, Simone. Sam Bennett, second worst on the team. Still above, still above average. Still above zero. But <laughs> stay above zero, you, Sam. If you've listened to the podcast and you've been watching the games, can you guess who the only player in the negative is? Yorky Dorky Doo. <laughs> How am I not surprised? So interesting, um, interesting stat for sure. Now, if you also if you're looking at game score. Rasmus Anderson and Mark, Mark Giordano last night were in the top three. So is this yeah, a good they, sign? Yeah, they've been turning it around. Like their last few games have actually been pretty good. Okay, um, good. Because that was a pretty worrisome to see those guys struggle that much out of the gate. At home ice, they're going to get they're going to get a, not easier matchups because they're still playing the tough minutes, but it's not going to be as difficult for them. Um, but yeah, they're starting to even out, which I mean... <laughs> Thank God, because like man, they were looking rough there for a while. Yeah. Any other little nuanced kind of metrics you want to throw in there while we're on the on the subject? I mean, no. Like, I just want to say, like, like Andrew Mangiapane is dominating right now. Like, I know I said that off the top of this, and I know you're probably everyone's sick of me blabbing about Mangiapane, but hey, the, as long as he's scoring, nobody's sick of you blabbing about how good he is. The dude has been unreal. Like, he's been so goddamn good like he's going if he keeps this up he's going to be in the selkie trophy he should be in the selkie trophy conversation like i'm not even kidding like that's how good this guy has been defensively he has been lights out i wish he would play a little bit more Um, how many goals do you have to score to be in the selkie conversation the selkie seems to be a total crock of shit and it's just kind of like whoever is a centerman and like plays wins a lot of face-off seems to win it that seems well, to be was, the general rule of thumb, right? Was was Datsuk center? Yeah, Datsuk. Datsuk. Okay, he's a he's a <laughs> he's an exemplar. Like they they yeah. should rename the Selkie Trophy the Datsuk Trophy, right? No, no shit. Yeah. Um, and All then right. I like just quick shout out like fucking Chris Tanov has been so good. Yeah, well, and Noah Hannafin, man. I'm happy. For the, to- for the amount of time we shit all over Noah Hannafin last yeah. year, we we better damn well be talking about how good he's been this season and so. even if they fall off cliff i'm happy to eat shit for the rest of my life if chris Tanov continues to be this good yeah so your next four games are against the canucks before you face the oilers again honestly there's a team that's struggling now Whew, the canucks have lost five straight They're looking rough. i don't know if you i don't know if you knew that so I, they just played five games against Montreal and the Leafs. Um, they've lost five straight, so they're going to be hungry. I think if your game plan is you got to treat 
you know, the first game as the most important game. You got to set the tone for the whole series. Your first period has to be probably your best period of the entire series if you want to make hay. So storyline to watch out for is because the Canucks are going to go hungry, man. They're probably going to give you their best in the first 22. And what we've seen in the past with this team is that we don't look, you just put together basically, you know, 55 to 60 minute game. You got to come out ready to play. Well, you said last night, it was like, they got to stop dicking around, right? It's like, okay, at some point there has to be some, like, again, it's all well and good. It's good. You finally got that first game that you played well for a full three periods, but you have to start turning that into a bit of a ball rolling here because you can't just keep pulling this good game, bad game, bad game, good game shit because. Especially against these weaker opponents. Exactly. Especially against Vancouver and Ottawa coming up. Um, with how tight things are, you, you, you got to start stringing again. Like there's no reason you shouldn't go four and zero against the Canucks. Realistically, there's no good reason that you shouldn't beat them four in a row right now. Yeah. You got to at least get absolute bare minimum. So there's eight points on the table, absolute bare minimum, no excuses, five. Okay. And they've Absolutely. played a ton too. Like I know they'll be coming out, but I mean they they've played so. I think they've played the most games in the league, or close to it. So you got to take advantage of them while they're maybe feeling it and a bit tired. They're struggling right now. So, um, but I think realistically, you're looking for honestly, it's seven out of eight points here. Yeah.